Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Kelly Levesque is a holistic nutritionist, wellness expert, celebrity health coach, and the best-selling author of Body Love and Body Love Every Day. Now, trust me, guys, pick up the books because you will reap the benefits of the most amazing shrimp tacos ever, which are staples of the Wachab household. I kid you not. She also has her bachelor's from USC and completed her postgraduate clinical nutrition education through UCLA and Berkeley. She's an instructor in our landmark functional nutrition program and one of the loveliest people I know. So it's so amazing to have her back. Kelly, welcome. Jason, thanks for having me. This is super fun. It's a new format. We read the, we do the intro right in your presence. I like it. I do my intros in in the presence of my guests too. It's fun. So, well, let's start, you know, so many people know you from your Fab Four, which I love because it's so simple yet so effective and there's real science behind it. And I love your love for science. Uh, So let's start with with Blood Sugar 101. Sure. Um, So... I created and developed the Fab Four, one, because I wanted people to have a checklist of things that your body needs on a biochemical level. Um, You need essential amino acids from protein, you need essential fatty acids from fat, and then the fiber and greens piece um, increases not only phytochemicals in your body, those antioxidants that, you know, are anti-inflammatory and have an effect on genetic pathways, but that gives you those plant foods that are slowly releasing starch and sugar, which help to support blood sugar balance. So I always explain to my clients that the Fab Four is the checklist of what your body needs, and then I explain blood sugar. So blood sugar basically is carbohydrates in the form of starch or sugar that break down to glucose. So I use this example with clients. Let's say you started your day with a piece of toast. You would chew that piece of toast. Don't and do it. it. Be- don't do it. Don't start with a piece of toast. <laughs> don't start with a piece of toast or anything. <laughs> but let's just use it as an example because it explains how a blood sugar roller coaster can work. So if you're breaking down, you would first start by breaking down um, that piece of toast by mastication or chewing and salivary enzymes in your, in your mouth, in your saliva. Then it would drop into your stomach, be broken down by hydrochloric acid, enter your intestines, be broken down further by pancreatic enzymes. And what it's basically doing is that's the process of digestion where this food, um, this large carbohydrate, starch or sugars, are broken down into a single molecule called glucose. Um, Some carbohydrates are broken down into glucose and fructose. Um, Fructose is is what tastes sweet. So if something doesn't taste sweet, like a piece of toast, it's gonna mostly be broken down into glucose. So the only thing outside of starch and sugar that doesn't break down to car- to um, glucose is fiber. So fiber is such a beautiful thing because it passes through the body, it feeds um, the microbes in your gut microbiome, and it doesn't have an effect on blood sugar. So the higher the fiber in your food, the less of a blood sugar response. So that piece of toast, let's say it had 15 grams of total carbohydrates and three grams of fiber. You'd net out that three grams of fiber and you'd understand then that 12 grams of 
or 12 little toast emojis are floating in your bloodstream now. That's, I always like people to imagine and visualize whatever they're eating, whatever emoji it is. Is it donut? Is it ice cream? Is it cookie? Is it a piece of toast? Is it grapes? I mean, all, all sugar and starchy things break down to blood sugar. And depending on how mu- many net carbohydrates are there, that's, a, that's like the poor man's way of understanding how high your blood sugar is going to spike and and that's your blood sugar going up and on average your blood sugar goes up for about 90 minutes um and then the hormone insulin is released and insulin's job is to pick up all those little pieces of toast out of your bloodstream and put them away in your cells so if you're ever an athlete i know you were jason you played basketball um you're going to store glucose in the form of fuel in your liver as glycogen and in your muscles as glycogen and this is the carbo loading that athletes do so insulin does a, you know, can sometimes do a really good job if you're insulin sensitive of sucking glucose into your muscles for storage. And if you're insulin resistant, it may not do the best job, but basically its job is to put it away. So that's your blood sugar going up for 90 minutes. Insulin is released. Your blood sugar is coming down on average for about 90 minutes. And so if you remember the old school style of eating, people would say, oh, well, just to balance your blood sugar, eat every three hours. Well, that sort of makes sense now, right? Because your blood sugar goes up and it comes down and we were all having whole grain toast and then a a sugary yogurt and then followed by a sandwich or rice and chicken. And, you know, it was sort of like that typical American meal. But what we realize now is that if you're eating fewer meals, it's actually better for thyroid health, better for complete digestion. And if you're eating foods that are wrapped in fiber, whole foods wrapped in fiber, like vegetables, instead of acellular carbohydrates that are flour-based like toast, you actually slow the digestion of that meal and you can elongate and lower that blood sugar curve. I, I just always encourage my clients to eat whole foods and foods rich in fiber and, and deep in color like leafy greens or cabbage or things of that nature because nature is so beautiful when we eat whole foods. It's, it's delivering us what we need, feeding our microbes and and giving us a nice blood sugar curve versus processed foods that really can jack up our blood sugar and have us crashing down. And unfortunately, that crash creates cravings um, and and really has an effect on hunger the rest of the day. It, it really starts a blood sugar roller coaster. The way that we're going to feel better is to have something else at the three-hour mark that brings us back up, and then we crash down again. And then that excess insulin building up in the body just, you know, it's it's a storage hormone. It's uh, it it tells your body to suck up nutrients and not only glucose, but fat and hold on to it. So, and so what happens, you know, if we talk about our health and well-being, if you're on that blood sugar roller coaster, you know, all day, like what, what are some of the long-term implications? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, implications are mostly metabolic, but that, Metabolic in- implications include like insulin resistance, um, and then you have things like polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, you have uh, pre-diabetes, type two diabetes, and then unfortunately, these blood you know elevated blood sugar, elevated insulin, hyperinsulinemia. All of this can cr- create and lay the foundation of of inflammation, which is really really the foundation for disease. So. We, we really are so highly affected by the foods that we're eating and, and we can get away. And I tell my clients this, you can get away with a bite of birthday cake or, you know, a little celebration when you're, when you're out somewhere, but 
you really want to focus on the majority of your meals being balanced so that when you do have that type of, of food, you're still highly insulin sensitive and your body's able to suck it up. And, you know, there are other ways that you can increase insulin sensitivity, working out, getting good sleep, stress management, all of those things outside of food have an effect on it. But the major, major culprit is always going to be food. So if we stay on the morning and, and breakfast or lack of breakfast, so for example, you know, I, I love intermittent fasting. It happens to work really well for me, but Colleen, really not into it. Yeah. So what do you recommend for someone who has maybe likes IF or thinking about IF or at the same time thinking about eating something in the morning? Like, what's your advice? I know that IF differs between men and women. You could talk a little bit about that. And if and if, you, if it just doesn't work and you want to eat, like, what, what's like a great healthy breakfast? And I know it's hard to generalize, but. No, I, I, I think it, it, it isn't hard for me. Um, most of the time when it comes to clients, breakfast is whenever you break your fast. And for Colleen, that might be at eight in the morning. And for you, that might be at 1 p.m. Um, the big mark, the big pieces of advice I have for clients is we don't wait until we're at a place where we're ravenous and making unhealthy decisions. Because the research tells us if you, if you come out of a fast into a high glycemic meal, um, blood sugar goes higher, insulin goes higher, inflammatory markers go higher. So you're totally negating your intermittent fasting if you're fasting into a pizza. So you, you really need to be focusing on a balanced meal. Um, if you look at the advice of a lot of um, companies that promote fasting, you'll see that they're they're promoting either um, protein rich meals, easy to di digest vegetables like things like asparagus and cucumber. They might steer clear of um, even like cruciferous vegetables because if you haven't been digesting food for hours and if you're doing um, you know, maybe a Dr. Longo style longer fast, like a four day fast is really important. Like the most important if it's a longer fast, but even say like a 16 hour fast, your first meal of the day really needs to be balanced. And I obviously use the fab four to help people understand what balance looks like. Um, protein is the most satisfying nutrient. The beauty I think of like light structure, which is what I give my clients is someone might decide that they want to be vegan or vegetarian today. And then tomorrow they might, might want to try whole 30 or paleo and reincorporate protein. And there are great sources of protein in plant-based foods and in animal-based foods. And it's always about the quality. So you're looking for pasture-raised regenerative farms. Um, you know, if you need to use a meat program, a frozen delivery program, when it comes to plant-based options, let's try to steer clear of inflammatory processed proteins that are, you know, fake chicken with the N, you know, and the apostrophe. Um, I'm really focused on beans and legumes and really those cellular foods is that's where you're getting all the phytochemicals and all the fiber. And that's where you're going to get that support of blood sugar and satiety. So that for me, I mean, it can be anything from an egg, um, you know, an egg veggie scramble with some avocado um, to I have a warm chia flaxseed pudding, which kind of replaces an oatmeal. It's a more balanced recipe. I think that would be a favorite with just like the shrimp tacos. And then, you oh, know, man. those shrimp tacos, Kelly, like I, I, I 
<laughs> You're making me want to make them this weekend. They're so good. We get the wild shrimp. You get the primal kitchen mayo. We've done, we do the lettuce and we also do the siete tortilla. Oh man, it's like our Sunday staple. Sorry guys for, 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 I hope. I hope you're listening Mouth to the podcast. <laughs> I hope you're listening in the afternoon and not the morning because I love the shrimp tacos, but not a great morning meal. More of yeah. um, And then obviously I'm, I'm known for the Fab Four smoothie. It's kind of been my like, it, I want to say it's like a kitschy little thing that I created, but it's, it's just, a, it, I just really like formulas. I like, I like understanding how to make a soup and in a big pot or an Instapot really easily. I, I love ha just having like one formula for sheet pans or for, you know, fish wrapped in parchment paper and baked in the oven. Like I don't, I like to be able to intuitively cook. And the Fab Four smoothie was something that I created as a formula so people could create whatever flavor smoothie they liked and understand how to create balance in their smoothie and in their blood. So protein is obviously a big, it's one of the four in the Fab Four. Um, and, but, but, and we've talked about sources, but I think what's interesting about protein, something we've, we've talked about, you talk about in your books is too much protein can also be not good. Yeah. You know, it, there is mixed research on it, but we're, there is some research that's come out that's showing, you know, more than 30 grams of protein is hard to metabolize and store appropriately. And, and so, and we can create sugar from protein. So we just want to be aware of what our body can metabolize and make sure, I think we can, we can get away with less. I think the old school recommendations from, you know, bodybuilding.com or whatever, that two yeah. grams of, of protein per pound of body mass. I mean, like that's me sitting down to six chicken breasts a day. Like that's just, <laughs> that's really, really excessive and, um, you know, it isn't, it isn't good for us. It isn't good for the earth. I really do think when it comes to like the protein portion sizes, we should be looking at about the, our palm size and thickness. If you need a little bit more one to one and a half of, of that size. And then in, in specifically in your protein powders, you know, I think people, you'll see it, you'll see it in people who go to the gym a lot and they're using too much protein powder, especially if they're using hydrolyzed whey, because hydrolyzed whey is such a refined whey protein product that it actually, and I talk about this in my new book, I talk all about protein powders, how they're extracted, how to choose what's right for you. They should really be simple. It should be the protein, maybe a, a sweetener, um, like monk fruit or stevia, depending on what you're open to using. You can even get it unflavored and a little organic cacao or organic vanilla. We don't need, we don't need emulsifiers. We don't need vitamins, probiotics. You're not knowing where that source is coming from and all the ingredients just causes problem, but prob other problems for people, but hydrolyzed whey specifically can act like sugar in the bloodstream. It, your body releases insulin because it can be so um, so refined, and your body thinks it's sugar. So you'll see it when people are, you know, shaking those shaker bottles at the gym and they're lifting these heavy weights, but they don't look cut and lean. They actually look swollen and inflamed. <laughs> and that, to me, and sometimes I've worked with clients where I'm worried about the amount of, you know, powdered proteins they're using. It should really to me, I look at it as a way to optimize. Like if you need to add branched chain amino acids and your plant-based, you know, a hemp-based protein or a pea-based protein or a pumpkin seed-based protein, these are great, simple 
proteins that can support you. If you are animal protein eater, a collagen is a great way to round out your amino acid profile. You don't need to have you don't need to have a complete protein in the morning if you're someone who has salmon at lunch and right. you know grass-fed beef at dinner. I just think the old the old theories of like comparing proteins to get a complete protein and everyone's so worried. Your body is amazing at absorbing amino acids and getting what it needs and and putting those to, together. It's just making sure that you're not it's you're not deficient in that nutrient because you're going to find that it will it literally makes everything from your hormones to your neurotransmitters, but your body will feel affected and and rarely do I have someone with a protein deficiency. Um, you know, occasionally it might be with someone who's gone down the road of like fruititarian or maybe is, has a very limited amount of foods they're willing to eat. Um, but for the most part, most people are getting what they need. Um, and I can tell if someone isn't like if their cravings are really off the charts at three or four in the afternoon, or if they're not starting their day with protein, starting your day with protein is a phenomenal way to calm cravings and to really balance hunger hormones throughout the rest of your day. So most of the time, if someone if someone comes to me with those crazy cravings in the afternoon, that's the first thing I'll look at. And I may switch their breakfast to a protein shake where they can throw in a bunch of greens, a bunch of healthy fats, a bunch of fiber for their microbiome, but get all the benefits of those decreased cravings. Well, ultimately, like you said, we're best equipped to get our nutrients from real food. And yeah. at the same time, you know, whether it's protein or fat or carbs, I also think that you know, too much of, of anything, no matter what it is, is probably not a good thing. And, you know, it's about balance and the fab four. It's just like eliminating an entire food group or eliminating an entire macro is just like probably not good in the long term. Yeah. No, I think we, we want to think of, um, you want to think about your longevity and you want to think about, the diversity of plant-based foods that you bring into your life, keeping the diversity of your gut microbiome and the quantity and of microbes in your body high. And to do that, it's, it's really about a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different produce and, um, yeah, and trying to make your own foods as much as possible, which we're all doing, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately because of COVID, but I would say it's a silver lining. So you mentioned amino acids a couple of times, a couple of times. So let's stay there. In the, in the, in the book, you kind of go through 20 amino acids and you talk through, you know, the benefits, why they're critical and, and what are the, the best natural sources. So we're not going to go through all 20, but if you had to pick like, you know, three key amino acids, what would they mm -hmm. be? Um, well, I love glycine, which is actually not an essential amino acid, but it's something found in collagen. And I love this amino acid because what we found is methionine is really um, prevalent in muscle-based proteins. Like um, you eat a if you eat a chicken fillet or if you have um, you know ground beef or whatever you can be ingesting a lot of methionine. And there's some research that suggests that excessive methionine in the diet shortens lifespan. But what they found is when you're eating nose to tail on an animal and you're eating collagen rich foods like bone broth and, um, you know, collagen supplements or gelatin or whatever, you're getting, you're getting amino acids that round out that amino acid profile and specifically a balance between glycine and methionine um, negates that research and says that, you know, you're, you're not shortening lifespan. So it's really about the way 
in any time that we're refining and, um, I want to, it, and we'll get to it when we talk about acellular carbohydrates, but when we're extracting and refining and just having one piece of one thing, um, it's just always so much better to have the whole food, the whole animal, the whole plant, the whole fat. It just, there are benefits to eating that way. So I really like when people increase their glycine intake or in the form of collagen. Um, tryptophan, you know, tryptophan's famous <laughs> for Thanksgiving and Turkey. Yeah. But it's ability <laughs> to help, help create, um, you know, your like serotonin in the body is we're just talking about feeling really good. And I just really love that amino acid. And I don't know, I think that's probably, those are probably my top two. Okay. okay. So you mentioned, you know, living in COVID and cooking at home a lot. And, you know, there's so much content about this, but there's also like a lot of conflicting advice when it comes to oils, specifically cooking with oils. So I'm curious, you know, what are your, how do you cook with oils in terms of temperature and how do you use oils? So if you had to pick like, you know, I, I use this for low heat, medium heat or high heat, and this is what I look for and mix with foods. Yeah. So again, I went into way more detail in the second book than I did in the first book on oils and fats, because there are so many different things that can oxidize an oil and create carcinogens in an oil. So you want to think about when you're using oils, a couple of things. You want to think about smoke point, and then you want to think about retaining the freshness of an oil. And to retain the freshness of an oil, you want oil in a dark bottle with a tight cap in a cool place. So if you're getting an olive oil that's in a clear bottle and you're keeping it on your counter in front of the in front of your, you know, window where there's hot light coming into it, that's not great. And mm -hmm. and get used to screwing down your lid tight, throw it in the cabinet. That's going to protect it. Um, and depending on the oil, you know, they may only last three to six months. So people buy these oil containers from Costco and they think they're saving all this money. And, and that's good. But I would consider something like um, Thrive Market. You know, Thrive Market's olive oil is from a family farm in Crete. It's a single source. And the bottle should probably sell for somewhere close to 40 or 50 bucks. And it's like $15 online. So, you know, they're really, they provide great value. Um, but you also want to think about extraction. So anytime you have a small seed, um, like an industrial seed, canola, um, safflower, sunflower, a seed that you could never really squeeze yourself to create oil or press yourself, um, they're using a chemical extraction called hexane, which oxidizes the oil. Um, and unfortunately, the, a lot of these oils are delicate oils that are high in omega-6. So not only does the heat create oxidation of that oil and degradation of that oil, but then the chemical processing does too. So the best thing to look for are extra virgin oils, um, like extra virgin olive oil, extra virgin avocado oil. And if you're looking for something with higher heat, you want to look for more stability. Stability comes you know, the more saturated fat, the more stable it is. So a great way to remember what's saturated is that that's the stuff that turns solid at room temperature. That's like your coconut oils and your ghees. You know, it's interesting because you think about diets that are that love saturated fats and high high heat oils like paleo or keto. But I I always want my clients really using a variety of fats like whole food fats, avocados, olives, coconut, and those poly and, and mono unsaturated fats that have always been known for heart health and longevity. So um, it's interesting because when I wrote the book at first, you know, there wasn't this new bit of research suggesting that you can cook extra virgin olive oil at a hotter temperature than we thought that we want than we once believed. Um, they're showing 
new, the newest research actually shows that, that antioxidants and the phytochemicals present in olive oil are actually more protective than we thought. They don't degrade as fast as we thought. So, um, where I normally didn't roast with olive oil, um, I'm, I'm roasting a little more with olive oil, like a temperature of 350. I'm not, I'm not roasting at, you know, 450 with that. Um, I'm probably using a coconut oil or an avocado oil, depending on the seasoning. But I think that that's a great thing to look at. If you can dark bottle, keep it in a cool, dark place, screw that lid on tight, try to buy extra virgin olive oils that are cold pressed. These aren't using chemical extraction. They're not using heat. You're protecting that fat. And then anytime you're doing something with really, really high heat, look for a saturated fat that's going to be more solid at room temperature. You know, it's interesting you talk about the dark bottle because when we were creating our supplements line and we were looking at a variety of packaging, we want to do something cool and innovative. We ended up going with a dark amber glass bottle and jar for the powders. And that was exactly the reason. And it was like, oh, wow, a lot of people aren't doing that with yeah. other supplements and other products that need to be shelf stable. Like, ooh, that's bad. And it was yeah. something I learned in the process. Um, and then you mentioned, I want to talk about omega-6s for a second, because mm -hmm. you're talking about vegetable oils. And look, some of those oils are just like everywhere. If you really start to like look at labels, they're everywhere. And it's like, okay, like, you know, packaged food is packaged food. And sometimes you need to do what you need to do. But, you know, let, let's talk about omega-6s for a second and why too much omega-6, not good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Omega-6 on its own and in balance is not bad for you. And I think that's where, you know, people are like, oh, all omega-6 is bad for you. Omega-6 is an essential um, fatty acid that's present in things like your nuts and seeds. Um, but what we have started using is we replace trans fats with industrial seed oils, which are your safflower, your sunflower, those oils you're talking about that you see in your healthy Thai sauce that you're like, I bought that at Erwan or like the, the hippest, healthiest grocery store. And you're like, why is it in my hummus or, you know, my bitchin sauce or whatever these like quote unquote healthy dips and sauces are supposed to be. Um, or they're, you know, your chips or your kale chips or your crackers are being, you know, made with them. Um, it's because they replace trans, trans fats. They're, they're affordable um, and they're easy to use and they help things stay shelf stable and they're not as expensive as things like extra virgin olive oil. But unfortunately, when you're extracting from a plant, when you're extracting from a plant with hexane and, and heat, it becomes a very con um, concentrated omega-6 and we need a specific balance in our body of omega-3 to omega-6. And these fatty acids balance inflammation and, and um, meaning, let's say for example, you were running and you fell down and you hit your knee. Your knee would turn red and it would swell. That's inflammation that you want. It's not chronic inflammation, it's immediate inflammation and omega-6 supports that process. But what happens now today because our foods are so highly like saturated with omega-6 is the balance in our body is not one-to-one. -one. It's somewhere close to, you know, I mean, I literally do interviews and I talk to people and I'm reading all the time. It's like, I remember when it was 1 to 12, 1 to 15, and now people are like, it's 1 to 20, it's 1 to 30, it's 1 to 50 in some people depending on where they eat their food. I mean, if they're, you know, if they're eating out at fast food and everything is fried and then on top of that, they're buying a lot of the the regular, you know, dressings that you would see on the on the shelves 
um, or, you know, the hummuses at Costco or whatever, yeah. like it's really unfortunate. And, and it's crazy to me that these food companies haven't caught on. Like I just, I don't understand how you can be at a large food company serving the masses and n- n- not be looking out for their health or at least keeping up with the information that this is creating an imbalance in the body where we're just, you know, we're prone to so much chronic inflammation. So you mentioned hummus and we love hummus. I'm curious, what's your go-to hummus brand? I actually make my own. Wow. Is that, so, is that, was that in the book and I missed it? Yeah, I have a couple hummus recipes. Okay. It's so easy. And, and I actually... I'm sorry, make- we just go to the shrimp taco page over and over and wear it out. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it's so easy. I mean, it's literally like it's olive oil, tahini, garlic, and lemon. Like olive oil, tahini, lemon. Okay. That's, that is olive oil, tahini, garlic, and lemon. And you can make hummus out of any type of bean. You can do a white bean. You can do a garbanzo bean. Um, I make a bean free hummus with avocado since we just were California. My husband and I, you know, so Cal kids, we grew up on a lot of guacamole, a lot of avocado and, you know, Mexican food, obviously the shrimp tacos, but yeah, if someone has a problem digesting beans, you just replace the beans with avocado and you get that Italian flavor with lemon, tahini, and olive oil. It's so okay, good. Okay, we're going to have to get that recipe on my buddy green. Stay tuned, guys. That, that's going to okay. come. So okay. earlier you also mentioned cellular and acellular carbohydrates. So can you explain to people what they are and the differences? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's actually really, um, easy to explain because when you think about whole foods, whole foods are foods that have sugar and starch wrapped in their fiber cell. So you can think about cauliflower, rice, lettuce, an apple, strawberries, red onion, like these aren't broken down into a refined flour product. So let me give you an example. Whole brown rice is a cellular carbohydrate rice flour is an acellular carbohydrate. It's been pulverized out of its fiber cell. It's acellular, not in the cell. So the difference here is that when you think about digestion and blood sugar balance and, and management, if some, if sugar and starch is wrapped in that fiber cell and you have to digest through that fiber cell to release that sugar and starch, you're slowing the digestion of that food and you're supporting a natural blood sugar curve without a massive spike and a major surge of insulin. So whole foods are always way better than acellular foods. And, and, you know, it's funny in the health industry, it's just like, you know, the industrial seed oils, people get really excited about something. And then they come out with a million things. And you know, cauliflower is a great example. Like we have cauliflower crust pizzas, there's cauliflower chips, there's cauliflower crackers. But when it's an acellular carbohydrate, and the same is true for things like Um, you know, garbanzo bean flour pasta. We still make that here. That's our choice of pasta, like the tolerant lentil pastas or or something like that, like Bash eats that stuff. And we'll make that occasionally here. But I'm not going like, oh, this is like eating vegetables or this is like (laughs) eating beans. I understand that it's going to have a different effect on my body glycemically. So it's just when you think about acellular versus cellular, you're also, you also need to think about the speed at which not only the speed at which your blood sugar may spike, but also the speed at which you're feeding specific microbes in, in your gut microbiome. And the balance that is kept when you eat whole foods is so much better than when you're eating acellular carbohydrates. So I would just be aware of that. Like the overgrowth 
growth of yeast and candida can happen from eating cauliflower chips if you're if you're mowing down bags at a time, you know, and it's it, you can have elevated blood sugar, you can have too much insulin in your body. So these are definitely the options I choose. Like when given the opportunity, I'm getting siete tortillas, but I'm not saying like that's like having a lettuce cup. Yeah. You know, but I'm not but I also it's whenever I pick acellular carbohydrates and I go through explaining what they are in the new book and then I give you options, it's understanding a couple of things. You want limited ingredients. You don't want a bunch of added emulsifiers and gums and add oils. You want to look at the ingredients always first. And then you want to look at your the balance between protein, fat, and net carbohydrates because that's how you determine what is this mostly. Is it mostly a carbohydrate? Is it mostly fat? Is it mostly protein? And then you can have an understanding of what is it, what's going to happen to my blood sugar. So I give a bunch of favorites in the book, but just understanding that and starting to say like, I'm going to try and lower the amount of acellular carbohydrates I eat. Um, and if I'm choosing as acellular carbohydrates, these are your packaged foods, flour-based foods, um, even, even like juices, like people are, people are still out there juicing, you know, and that's something I'd be aware of. Like it would be so much better if you could just eat that whole food or even blend it where you're, where the fiber is still present in your smoothie. It's just, it's just better for your microbes and it's, and it's better for your blood sugar. Real food. Yeah. Real food. It's great. It's, you know, it's rocket science. So <laughs> we started down the path of, of geeking out with acellular carbs. So we'll, we'll take it up a level to ITCs. So can we yes. talk about ITCs? Yes. Um, so ITCs are isothiocyanates. And um, these are specific phytochemicals present in food. The one that you're going to have heard about, like you've probably heard about, is sulforaphane. Um, this is a a, a potent um, phytochemical present in cruciferous vegetables. And what is so amazing is it has an effect on NRF2, which is a genetic pathway in, on, you know, it, in our body that releases anti-inflammatory enzymes. So on average, NRF2 is activated every other hour. And when you have cruciferous vegetables, this is so cool about phytochemicals. These are like the chemicals present in our vegetables are actually having an effect on our genes and actually having an effect on our body on a, such a like, not even a cellular, just a, all the way down to a genetic level. And sulforaphane has the ability to double detoxification. If you're eating cruciferous vegetables that are rich in sulforaphane, you're detoxifying every hour. This is why cruciferous vegetables are linked to being anti-cancer, right? And anti-inflammatory. So research says that if you know people are eating cruciferous vegetables or ITCs, eating enough of them, they're actually going to see C-reactive protein and interleukin-6, two inflammatory markers, drop drastically. The numbers um, for C-reactive protein was up to 16% and interleukin-6 was up to 20%. This is vegetables that you're choosing to put wow. on your plate. So, I, yeah, I love sulforaphane. It's in our grass fed collagen powder. It's to me that like sulforaphane is one of the hidden gems. It's, it's, you know, we're going to just keep uncovering that specific chemicals in the foods that we're eating are having an effect on a cellular level. And it really is 
you know, not only are they affecting our microbes and our microbes are able to, you know, break them down and ferment them into short chain fatty acids that then become fuel for our body and our brain and our epithelial cells. But on a chemical level, they're having a genetic effect on our ability to detoxify and create an anti-inflammatory environment. So when given the opportunity to it's a simple, you know, I have a lot of clients who are like, I can't digest cruciferous vegetables. I don't like kale and broccoli and cauliflower hurt my stomach. You know, you want to remember that it's not just those really hard to digest foods that can provide this benefit. It's as simple as you go to the salad bar, maybe you get sweet green for lunch and you decide, yeah, I'll do half mixed greens and half arugula. Arugula mm -hmm. is a cruciferous vegetable. I love arugula. You know? Can you add radish to your salad? Like it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be cauliflower, rice, or, um, you know, Brussels sprouts that may be bloating for people, you know, but how can we just add a few to the plate? It doesn't have to be a, a mountain of food. So you mentioned, you know, health at the cellular level and which leads me to you talk about this in the book. And I think it's super fascinating, uh, sirtuins and sirtuin genes. And so Let's explain to people what what are they and and again what foods can help activate those good genes. Yeah, so sirtuin genes um, are a group of genes that are linked with longevity and metabolism. And what we thought was that they could only be activated through fasting. So people would fast and they would have increased metabolism and longevity and um, you know metabolic improvement. But what we find is that in the same way that uh, sulforaphane activates NRF two. Um, sirtuins can be activated by food. So they can be activated by things like capers, celery, um, you know, extra virgin olive oil, green tea, kale, parsley, um, red onion, strawberries, turmeric, walnuts, you know, so it, it pays to eat produce and it pays to mix up the colors and flavors on your plate. Like, can you add capers to something? Is I'm all, I always encourage my clients to think about their herbs, like to think about parsley and cilantro and how they can add herbs because they are really medicinal or even spices, things like turmeric and cayenne. I mean, like the more flavor that you're adding to your, to your dish, you're actually getting so many chemical benefits. So, so, uh, so I have a capers question. I'm going to come full circle to the, 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 when we started talking about toast. Yeah. So every friday so there's a there's a place called russ and daughters in new york it's an institution they have amazing uh slight like sliced wild salmon so every mm -hmm. friday we get our wild salmon we get our cashew cream cheese from monty's mm -hmm. and capers i love capers and then we come to the toast and mm -hmm. so an active conversation and sometimes in wellness is okay sometimes you're going to do bread so yeah. what we do is organic sourdough bread and we toast it. And I'm curious, you've heard people say, if you have to do bread, sourdough is a better choice. Some people say, well, you got to do the gluten-free bread. On the subject of bread, what is your, if you're going to do it, if you're going to enjoy your, your, your wild salmon sandwich with our cashew cream cheese and capers, and lettuce just doesn't cut it with that type of sandwich. No, it, doesn't, it just no. doesn't do it. That's our Friday ritual with our family. What bread? What? It, what's your opinion? Is it sourdough? Is it gluten free? Is it what? What is it? Yeah. So, I if if you were a client and I was consulting with you, I'd look at the rest of your week because I think if 
you know, you're really eating a lot of balanced whole food meals and you're not having a lot of acellular carbohydrates, then I would go for quality. I would probably say, I want you to really enjoy it because there's something about mentally allowing yourself and not, and not putting a food in a bucket of it's not good for me. I can never eat this and just picking quality. So I definitely think sourdough is a beautiful type of bread. It's fermented. That helps break down the gluten, even if it's not gluten-free. Um, and it's simple, limited ingredients made in that bread's made in such a traditional way that it's easier to digest. And so I think that quality, nutrient density and quality is always going to trump everything else. So if, you know, that would probably be my choice for you and your family. I think you're doing a great job. If you wanted it to be gluten-free, there's a brand called Seriously, S-R-S-L-Y, out of Marin, San Francisco, that does traditionally sprouted gluten-free um, bread. And then if you were saying, like, I have a real metabolic issue, I'm really trying to lose weight, I really want to lower, uh, you know, my... Um, acellular carbohydrate intake and we're doing this two or three days a week, I might say, let's move to something like a barely bread or a paleo style bread. It's just about quantity. And if it's just happening once a week, I would say go for what makes you feel the best and, and hits that craving and is like a real special thing for your family because that's a tradition that you've created with your girls. And I don't think you should, I don't think you should, you know, do anything to disrupt that. Amen to that. I'm sold on sourdough. So <laughs> moving off of nutrition, you know, talking about some of the softer things like our girls, you're a parent, you know, and a, a lot of this has come to the forefront in, in COVID as we're, you know, looking at family, we're looking at a purpose, uh, trying to make sense of all this. Like what are the things stepping outside of nutrition that are coming to the forefront for you to help kind of, you know, how do you, how do you do it with being a parent uh, trying to take care of, you know, your family and, and just taking care of yourself too. Yeah. Um, you know, what's been, what's been really beautiful out of this. And I think for a lot of my clients and for me, especially is that I was definitely someone who needed to work out in a group of people in a class. I, I, you know, it was a dedicated hour where I'd grab my mat and go to the studio and, and do a flow and leave. And that, that's a really like, it was a, a really beautiful time for me, but I never would work out at home on my own in front of like a television, throw my mat down. Like it, not that it needed to be this like perfect space, but it, it definitely influenced how I worked out when I could go to a fun yoga class with good beats and flow with my friends. Um, and what happened was, is I became a mom and I couldn't get to the studio as much as possible. And I had never cultivated an at home workout. Um, you know, a real at home workout, like schedule. And with COVID, a lot of my favorite instructors are zooming in classes. And I found that that works for me. Like I just need community. So even if it's like 20 little boxes of faces and, you know, the teacher's calling me out because I have my video on and everyone's moving, it's, it's a really good thing to do. And I think it's something that's kept me feeling sane through this process. Um, and, you know, because I have such a supportive husband, Chris and I do a really good, we're, we do a really good job of, of making sure that each of us have an hour a day. So it's like, what do you need today? What do I need today? And maybe we talk about the night before or the morning. And I'm like, I just, I'm going to do Tom's yoga class at 7am. If you don't mind, he'll hang with Bash and have coffee. And then, you know, it's never perfect. It doesn't happen all the time. But 
we've really learned to tag team and support one another. Um, so, so that's been really, it's been a, a beautiful thing to come out of this. And I think I've also really enjoyed cooking with Sebastian. Um, people who follow me on Instagram will see in my stories that he has a little kitchen helper tower and our, and he like, he's making his own smoothie every morning. I mean, it's an absolute disaster. There's protein powder and spinach on the floor and, you know, it's always messy and it takes longer, but that's been like getting in the kitchen together and, and standing in there and cooking and hanging with bash. Like that's been really special for us. Um, and just really trying to find the silver lining in things. Like we drive to Malibu to the whole foods there. We live behind a whole foods in Brentwood. We drive to Malibu because we're like, Oh, we're going to the grocery store once a week. It's a bigger whole foods. And we want to just see the ocean for 20 minutes. And so we drive CH up there. So it's like, creating new rituals and habits, um, in this time is, is just so important to keeping to feeling balanced mentally and physically. And I hear your journaling. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> so I started this process, um, a couple of things. Um, I think this is a really powerful time for people to, to really focus on themselves. And if you're someone like me here in Los Angeles, I have a really amazing clients who are entrepreneurs and always throwing events like they're launching a collaboration with this company or they're launching a new, you know, you know, they're opening a new store or come to this party because we're launching this other line. And, and I'm, I love to be support, supportive of other female entrepreneurs. Um, but what's happened is obviously we can't all hang out and there's all that there's this time and space that's been created to really, to really be a little bit selfish and focus on your business and focus on where you want to be in five years and create and develop. And so what I've found for me that's been so successful is journaling. And I'm writing down what I call my hit list every morning, which are like, these are the three things that have to happen today if I think about moving the ball forward in these big ways. Um, and that might be you know, I have a protein powder coming out that might be approving protein powder designs for, the, you know, for the bags they're going to come out in. Or, um, you know, I have the podcast that might be reaching out to someone that I really want to have on the podcast, but it's three things, you know, and I think what people end up doing is they write these big manifestations and intentions for their month and their to-do list is 30 things long. And that's really overwhelming. It's like, what can you get done and what are the highest priorities? Let's write those down. And then I've been positive what I call um, positivity tracking. And this is really different than gratitude. It's just really, really specific. At the end of each day, I'm writing down three things that I really enjoyed. So like yesterday, one of the things that I wrote down was I splash apple cider vinegar in my water. Now this is a habit that I get into and out of and I remember to do and I don't remember to do. But I did it at about two o'clock. And that's a time for me when I feel like, Ugh, what's happening? I need a break. Let's go for a walk or something. Um, and not only did it increase my water intake, but I thought it was like, this is really refreshing. And I'm just really proud of myself for remembering to do that. And so that was one of the things I wrote down. I was like, I'm so proud of myself for remembering to do that. Another thing I wrote down was that <laughs> Sebastian figured out like that he can ask me to FaceTime Jamma, which is my mom, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought it was so cute. Yesterday he was like, you know, handed me the phone and went Jamma. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you want to call grandma? That's so cute. Like I wrote that down. Cause that's so special that he would even just think to want to call her, you know? And, um, the last thing was that we went for a walk at sunset time and we normally go at like three or four o'clock and sunset feels too close to dinner time and bedtime for 
for Bash, but we went out and I didn't open my computer after I got back. I was like, I'm gonna watch the sunset and I'm not gonna go back and open my computer. And I have a tendency, especially during COVID, and you know, ping-ponging Bash around between Chris and I to like jump back on and really dive back into work. And I shut it down. And so it's that. It's not like I'm happy, I'm thankful for my health, I'm thankful for my family, I'm thankful for my house. Because we get in this like very we get we get in a routine of generalizing what we're thankful for. But what this does is so different. It's like literally things are popping up in my day all day long that I'm like, oh, that cup of coffee was so good. Or, you know, that shrimp taco, that bite was perfect. Like whatever it is, like you're just, it's the little things. Like maybe you get a comment on Instagram that's like, I drank your Fab Four smoothie for six months and I lost 50 pounds. And it's like, in the past, I wouldn't even, I'd just be like, yeah, okay good for you. Like, I mean, not like really, but like to feel it, like it's having me, I'm in a place where I'm like absorbing that energy in a positive way and recognizing the little things, like the little daily things that I can be thankful for. And it's totally changing my day. So on the subject of taking care of oneself and routines, how's your sleep these days? Oh, well, thanks to, thanks to my mind, body, green magnesium, I'm just fine. I mean, I know that you and Colleen had sleep issues and you created this, this amazing product, but I feel like, I feel like I wake up and I'm like, what day is this? Who am I? I, I, No, it's, it's honestly, my sleep's, my sleep's always been pretty good. Um, but I've always, I've always loved taking magnesium, but you know that I'm a big I'm a big fan of that supplement and my clients and Instagram followers know that too. Just, <laughs> I've pulled people off melatonin that have been on melatonin for 10 years. And I think that's really massive because melatonin, you know, it's people are popping that like M&Ms or something, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, you know, it's, it's a hormone and you need to be aware of that. Whereas, you know, GABA and magnesium and what you guys have blended together is really just supportive of your body doing its job. Well, I love that you love it so much. And I'm like you, I didn't really have huge sleep issues, but I just, I, I can't stop not taking it. And Colleen did, and we both just love it. It's just amazing. Um, but you know that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, on the subject of like thinking of, you know, you're journaling, you're, you're thinking about what's next. Like, what is, what is next for you? Like, what are some of the exciting things you're working on? What are we going to be hearing and seeing from you? You know, yeah in the future. Yeah, so um, I'm launching a, a Swedish 100% grass-fed beef protein powder. Um, that'll be coming out this summer. That's something that, um, you know, I've been wanting to launch a protein powder for five years, but there were options that I really loved and things that I loved on the market. And when I learned about um, grass-fed beef protein, I really liked the process. So it's not a chemical extraction. It's like making bone broth, but instead of just having bones, you know, there's the animal protein in in the, you know, concoction and in the vat as well. Um, And it's, it's extracted and dehydrated. And so it's a really simple process. And if you have a good input, it's a really beautiful product because it's 60 to 70% collagen and it contains all your branched chain amino acids. So um, in one simple protein powder, and I didn't see one on the market that had monk fruit instead of stevia. And so I opted to create one and uses organic vanilla or, or organic cacao, depending on, and I have an unflavored. So depending on what flavor profile you like, or if you like unflavored, I'm I'm excited about that. It's going to be really easy to knock off, but <laughs> three ingredients. But um, but it's 
been a long time coming and it took me a little while to, to get the flavors just right, but I'm, I'm really proud of it. And, um, you know, it's just, it's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be scary, but it's going to be good. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited. I'm growing. Um, and then I'm launching the Fab Four Fundamentals, which, you know, is a lot of the science that comes out of body love and body love every day. You know, if people have read the books and thoroughly understand it, um, it might not be for them, but if someone really, you know, wants to understand blood sugar, wants to understand digestion, wants to understand, um, how to build your plate with the fab four and really balance your blood sugar by balancing the foods on your plate. It's like going to be such an easy course that people can take in a couple of hours and have some really, um, condensed information on downloadable PDFs. So really excited about that. Um, I'm thinking about launching a family nutrition course, like how to feed your family and maybe a prenatal postnatal course. Got to go, like get, go get pregnant and <laughs> make that happen. So those are the plans. I love it. And so what do you think, you know, in, in our world, the world of well-being, the world of nutrition, if you will, like what, what what's interesting to you? Like, what do you think we're going to be talking about a year from now or so? Well, I like to say that sometimes I'm ahead of the curve. I love the, <laughs> I, I think that, I think that people will start to really understand cellular and acellular carbohydrates a little bit more. And they'll, they'll also understand, um, the diversity of plant foods. Um, I think, uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Will, who just wrote, um, fiber fueled, I just interviewed him for my podcast and, he does a phenomenal job. I think when you when you look at my book and you go through fiber and greens chapters, you know, I'm talking about the ITCs, I'm talking about sirtuin genes, I'm talking about the microbiome, but like he literally took all the research that was out there on plants and how it affects your microbiome and put it into a book. And when we look at what's coming in the future, it's it's no longer going to be, you know, heart medications and um, you know, treatments that are pharmaceutical, they're going to be probiotic based. They're, you know, our understanding of the microbiome and how it affects our body is we're at the tippy top of the iceberg, but what the future holds is, um, is therapeutics that are probiotic based and their ability to lower cholesterol and, um, and really change, change disease states in the body. So I'm really excited about, about how we're going to start you know, using this information for good instead of, instead of always disinfecting, using antibiotics, antivirals, it's about understanding how our ecosystem is creating this disease state in our body and how we can manipulate it. Um, and what we know is that, you know, the more fiber and greens that you're eating, the, the better your, you know, the more diverse and, um, healthier your gut microbiome is. And that really is so integral in protecting your body from disease. So I'm super stoked on, I'm super stoked on plants. <laughs> I, I'm with you. We'll, we'll close there. It is, you know, when you think about it, it's eat food, not too much, mostly plants. It is quite simple, but, uh, Kelly, thank you for all that you do for all the goodness you put out in the world. Uh, everyone listening, you gotta pick up body love and her latest body love every day where she goes into extraordinary detail and all, all, all that great nerdy stuff we were talking about and excited for your protein powder and the fab four course and, and you, and your love for magnesium. Thank you for our love for our <laughs> magnesium product and for being part of our flagship functional nutrition program. You're, you're part of the family and we love you and everything you do. So thank you. 
Oh, my pleasure. I love my Mind Body Green family. Oh, well, thank you, Kelly. We will see you soon, hopefully in person. Yeah. <laughs>